This is Rob Lott. And I'm Leslie Erdelak. You're listening to Health Affairs This Week, a weekly podcast where we take a look at what's making news in health policy. So, Leslie, lots of health policy in the news this week. Uh, And I want to mention just a few quick headlines up top. Uh, One, Pfizer asked FDA to authorize its coronavirus uh, vaccine for children younger than five. Uh, Right now, the request is for a two-dose vaccine regimen, but they're also studying how and whether a three-dose regimen might work as well. Interestingly, federal regulators actually encouraged Pfizer to begin this authorization process despite uh, mixed results uh, from a trial last year. Interesting to see how uh, how this will pan out. Another headline, um, this week, President Joe Biden relaunched the White House's Cancer Moonshot Initiative, committing the nation to uh, reducing the death rate from cancer by at least 50% over the next uh, 25 years. And this includes naming a new White House Cancer Moonshot Coordinator and forming a quote, cancer cabinet with representatives from all the different federal agencies with the aim of improving coordination. Uh, And finally, I want to mention that uh, a number of Native American tribes have reached settlements um, over the opioid epidemic with uh, the drug maker Johnson & Johnson and a number of the largest drug distributor Uh, companies, according to uh, court filings this week. The settlement was $590 million, and um, this is a pretty big deal. Native Americans have had the highest per capita rate of opioid overdose uh, of any population, and so um, this was of particular interest in in hoping to to move the ball forward and and getting the tribal communities some some of the investment and support they need in the face of such a terrible epidemic. So that's just a few headlines. Leslie, what uh, caught your attention this week? Right. Yeah. So on this podcast, you know, we usually talk about what's happening at the national level, but there's this old saying that as California goes, so goes the nation. And whether or not that's true, right? We are going to talk about single payer healthcare today. Uh, we often think about California having this really progressive healthcare agenda, and it's always good to check in from time to time and just see what's going on. So here we are, and I wanted to talk about what happened on Monday with a high profile bill that would have created a single payer healthcare system in California, which has been a long-standing priority for some state lawmakers. I feel like people are going to come at me for oversimplifying things, but single payer is this idea that you would replace private health insurance with a government-run system that pulls in federal state dollars and creates a system where everybody gets health care and those medical expenses are covered by just one entity. And so these kinds of publicly financed health systems are common in other countries like Canada, the UK, but we don't have anything like that here in the US. This bill, um, the one that would have made single payer health care a reality in California, was introduced last year. And on Monday, you know, it was kind of a make or break moment. This bill had to pass the state assembly to have a shot at continuing through the legislative process and becoming law this year. 
not only did the bill not pass, it actually never came up for a vote. They realized they couldn't gather the support they needed from the other legislators to move forward. And so instead of forcing the vote, potentially having it fail by a huge margin and risk the political damage, they decided to abandon the bill altogether. Wow. Okay. So Leslie, uh, first of all, I want to thank you for uh, taking us in this discussion to uh, the warm shores of California. (laughs) I'm speaking to you from uh, Chicago, where it's been snowing for like the last 48 hours. I've shoveled my front steps at least three or four times. When I look out my window, I see icicles, lots and lots of icicles. And so uh, on such a winter's day, uh, single payer or not, the idea (laughs) of California um, sounds pretty appealing right now. Uh, But uh, that said, um, I want to acknowledge this is really the latest chapter in a much longer story, right? The idea of single payer in California is not new, is it? It's not. And so there was a proposal in 1994 that made it on the ballot in California that was rejected. And then later in 2017, there was another bill that sort of rose from the ashes that would have created a single payer system. And that too ended up being defeated. On the East Coast, Vermont in 2011 seemed to be on track to become the first single payer state. Vermont even passed a law, but that law never outlined how the state was going to pay for it. And so that plan ended up sort of imploding um, before they could even implement it. But Vermont came closer than any other state, closer than Colorado, closer than Massachusetts in building a publicly financed system where everyone gets coverage. So it's not a new idea, but there's just an incredible amount of tension over these proposals because we're talking about a fundamental restructuring of our private insurance-based healthcare system. And, you know, there are, as you might imagine, lots of different reasons why so many attempts to build single-payer systems end up failing. Sure, I I could see that. Um, And I imagine there are a a lot of different hurdles to an effort like this, but one of the biggest ones has got to be the cost, like running the numbers on the actual balance sheet at the end of the day, but also something maybe a little less quantifiable. And that's how people react when they see these cost estimates, that, mm-hmm. that visceral response to such a big number potentially also creates an obstacle in and of itself, right? How big of a role did the cost play in what happened this week in California? Yeah, sticker shock. So even though California is set to spend over $500 billion on healthcare in 2022, the price tag associated with this bill was huge. Legislative analysts said it could cost upwards of $391 billion per year. And this is because, you know, not only are you talking about providing health care for all 40 million people in the state, you also have to overhaul the entire healthcare system. So if the idea is to cover everyone and cut health care costs, one way you do that is by taking insurance companies out of the equation and lowering uh, provider fees and drug prices using different negotiation tactics. So while in general, we think of single payer being less costly in the long run because you're getting rid of the administrative expenses of private insurance plans and other things, it's still a really big and messy undertaking. So 
getting back to your question, to do what this bill was proposing, it would have cost more than the entire operating budget for the state of California, which pays for schools, roads, and other types of public services. So to pay for the plan, you're looking at a trade-off. In this case, there was actually a companion bill, um, an amendment that called for higher income taxes and tax obligations for certain businesses, which generated a lot of opposition from groups like the California Chamber of Commerce. So as unpopular as this approach might have been, the lawmakers who wrote this bill knew they needed to come up with some kind of plan for funding their proposal if the bill was ever going to stand a chance at being passed. Okay, so Leslie, I think if we surveyed our listeners, I bet many of them would acknowledge that if you were designing a system from scratch, there might be some real advantages to something that looks a lot more like single payer than the crazy quilt of a health system we currently have in place. To uh, really mix my metaphors here, you go to war with the crazy quilt you have, not the crazy quilt you might wish for. Part of the challenge is all of the entrenched interests, right, that have built up over decades around the current system. It's understandable that business leaders, you mentioned the Chamber of Commerce, uh, might be concerned or opposed. But what about other groups like insurers, doctors, hospitals? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. People were obviously very divided on this. The California Nurses Association, that's the state's nurses union, led the effort to pass this bill. Um, and it also got a lot of support from the labor unions uh, throughout the state. But the nurses union in particular was just really outraged that this bill didn't get voted on. Um, they put out a statement condemning what happened. Their position is that consolidating healthcare costs into one government program and moving away from private insurance saves people money and puts patients over profits. But the state's largest association of doctors, the California Medical Association, opposes single payer. And they say it gives consumers fewer choices. Um, but they also have their own financial and professional interests to think about because now. Um, there's this one entity negotiating the payment rates and ways that providers can get reimbursed for their services. Um, so you can look at other countries, um, sure, but it's it's kind of a completely untested concept here. So I think you can understand why healthcare providers might be a little reluctant. Gotcha. So and untested, it will remain for now. The yep. bill um, uh, didn't didn't go forward. So what's next? What does the future hold for single-payer healthcare in California? Yeah, so the bill's back on the shelf, um, and the majority of those working in health policy are not optimistic about California moving to a single-payer system anytime soon. Um, but that's not to say we can't learn anything from this. So some people have suggested that we look at the cost analysis of California's single-payer proposal and compare it to existing public insurance programs to see which part of the plan specifically might generate the most cost savings as a way of kind of opening the door to something that looks more like universal access. Other people are saying that even though that amendment um, imposing new tax dollars was met with a lot of resistance, it's still kind of laid out a clear approach to getting a single-payer system up and running, which is a big reason why 
these plans have kind of fallen apart in the past by failing to sort of um, anticipate the costs uh, to the state's economy and then, you know, hitting a wall because of those financial constraints, which is exactly what happened in Vermont. And the other thing we shouldn't forget is that Gavin Newsom, uh, who's the governor of California, actually campaigned on implementing single-payer health care in 2018. His stance on this bill wasn't exactly made clear, but his administration has been focusing on other things to try and expand access to insurance. Um, Most recently, there's a proposal to expand Medicaid coverage to all low-income, undocumented adults, which in and of itself is kind of his, uh, you know, historic expansion that would make California the first state to provide universal health care for all residents, regardless of legal status. So um, Newsom has said he still supports a single-payer system, though, and a commission that he appointed to study it is actually expected to release a report later this year. Um, So will a single-payer bill be resurrected next year in a new legislature, Rob? I think um, it's possible, sure, um, but we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, that's a great uh, cliffhanger, Leslie, to to Mm -hmm. leave us on as we wrap up. Listeners, stay tuned and find out what happens in California next Mm -hmm. time. Uh, Leslie, I'm going to go shovel my walk. Uh, All right. Thanks so much for walking us through this. This is really interesting to our listeners. Uh, leave a review, recommend the podcast for a friend, and tune in next week. Yeah. Thanks, Leslie. <laughs> thanks, Rob. Stay warm. Stay well. You too. <laughs> we'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>